Davidson here. Of course, in my day, I was known as Joseph, the son of David. But uh, you people, you, you shorten everything. So, uh, Joseph Davidson. Just don't call me Joe or JD. I suppose you're here this morning because you want to hear the story. It's good for you to want to hear the story. Such a story as this can, can make your spirit soar and fill your heart with joy. For almost 2,000 years now, people have been telling and retelling the story, but it never grows old. How can it grow old? You see, it doesn't come from time. It comes from eternity. And eternal things don't grow old, like, like your breaking news stories this morning or, 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 or anything that belongs to time. Though it was acted out in our little world, the story did not come from here. It came from God. It came from God because he came from God. Excuse me, I, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here. I, I always do that when I tell the story. Uh, uh, you have never heard the story the way I'm getting ready to tell it. Unless, of course, you've heard me tell it. For I am that very Joseph who was a son of Jacob, who was a son of Methan, who was a son of Eliezer, who was descended from King David. I could trace my ancestry for you all the way back to King David, but I'm not going to do that this morning because you would not find that very interesting. You see, to us Jews, ancestry is very important. Not so we can brag and say, well, my ancestor was a great so-and-so who did such and such. No. No, everybody's got heroes and villains perched somewhere on their family tree. No, the reason why we want to know where we came from is because when you know where you came from, then you have taken a big step toward knowing who you are. A lot of people in your day care nothing for where they came from. And guess what? They don't know who they are. Though I was descended from kings, I myself was not a king. I was a carpenter. Not that there's anything wrong with that, mind you. I hear people these days talk about it as if it was some sort of disease or something. They say, he was born into the home of a lowly carpenter. What do you want me to be? Huh? A shepherd? A, a, a beggar? A slave? A tax collector? Well, I, I, I know tax collectors have a lot of money, but better, be, better to be lowly than to be low down and cheat your own people, especially the poor, because God cares about the poor. Or, or sometimes you'll hear them say, he was born into the home of a humble carpenter. How'd they know I was humble? Huh? <laughs> a carpenter's supposed to be, have you ever met a carpenter? Carpenter was a very important person in my day. I mean, anybody could take a bunch of bricks and throw them together and put some kind of straw or something up for a roof. But if you didn't have a good carpenter, you wouldn't have any seats to sit in. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have any, any tables to do your work on or, or eat off of or, 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 or chest to store things in. I was born in Bethlehem. But when I was very young, my parents moved up north to Nazareth, and that's where, I, that's where I was raised, that's where I apprenticed, that's where I eventually plied my trade. I was much like any of you young men. I, I, uh, I, I, I worked hard. I went to the, 
the synagogue every Sabbath, and I kept my eye out for a good wife. I'll never forget the first time I saw Mary. Oh, I, I mean, I'd seen her, you know, growing up and everything, but, but you know what? I mean the first time I actually saw her. You know how it is. It, it's like she's just there, but then one day she, she takes up residence in your head, and you don't know how she got there. <laughs> Who gave her this key? And she doesn't even know she's there. She's in there going, where am I? <laughs> well, you, and, and, and everywhere you go, your eyes are, are searching the crowd, searching the room, searching the horizon in, in, in hopes that maybe she's there. And, and, if she, and if she is, then your eyes just sort of turn and look at her. And you have a silly look on your face. <laughs> you hope she doesn't notice. It happened to me on, uh, on the Sabbath at the synagogue. I, Mary was coming in the door with some friends of hers, and, and there was just something about the way the, the sunlight caught her smile. I'd never seen such a smile. And I knew I want to see that smile every day. This is the one I want to be my wife. Little did I know what that decision would entail. My own parents were dead, and we didn't have any close relatives since we had just moved up there. And uh, So I went to see the rabbi. See, it would not have been proper for me to go and talk to Mary's family myself. Normally, an older relative does it, but, uh, but the rabbi could, could do this for me. And he very much approved of my, of my choice, and he said he would do it that very week. It was the longest week of my life. But right before the Sabbath, the rabbi came to me and after a little good-natured teasing, he, he told me that it was done. Mary and I were betrothed. Now that may seem a little sudden to some of you people, but you have to understand that in our day, betrothal lasted a very long time, usually at least for a year. And during that time, the couple are considered to be as good as married, only uh, the husband doesn't take his wife home, you know, to, to, to lie with her. But, but every day I spent time with Mary, getting to know her better and better. And every night I would praise the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I could hardly believe my good fortune at finding such a wife. She was not only beautiful, but she was witty and, and, and charming and, and uh, skillful and warm and, and virtuous. Yes, Mary was virtuous. But then after a little while, I began to notice that uh, it seemed like something was bothering Mary. Some, something was wrong, and, and I began to think, well, could it be me? And so I decided to ask her what was wrong. Now, I was a very young man, and I didn't understand much about women at that point in time. And I didn't understand that you don't actually get any information out of a woman by asking her what is wrong. <laughs> in fact, it, it, it kind of flips a little switch inside of her, and she begins to act more like something is wrong, even while she's saying nothing is wrong. <laughs> and that's somehow not supposed to be a lie. 
There's a game involved. And, it, and it's a game that most men find to be either juvenile and infuriating or mysterious and exciting, depending upon your point of view and your frame of mind. Well, I learned the game, and after a few days, Mary told me what was wrong. And when she did, it was like someone had reached into my chest and torn out my heart. It was as if some, some thief had come and, and stolen all of the light and, and warmth and love and joy in the world and hid it away someplace. Because my Mary, my sweet, young, virtuous Mary, was going to have a baby. And I swear I had not touched her in that way. She could see I was, I was not taking this very well, so, so she decided to tell me everything. She said that an angel had appeared to her. And that he had told her that, that she had been chosen to, to, to bear the Messiah, the, the Holy One of, of Israel. And when she had asked the angel, well, how can this be since I, I'm a virgin? The angel had told her that the Holy Spirit would come upon her. And the power of the Most High would overshadow her. And, and the Holy Seed to be born within her would be called the Son of God. I just, I just left. I, I, needed, I needed to be alone. I had to think. I, one minute I would think, what if she really is going to have the Messiah? And then the next minute I would think, what kind of a fool does she take me for? But most of the time I, I just thought, I was betrothed to a crazy woman. I went and talked to the rabbi. I, if the betrothal would end, he would have to know. He was no less shocked than I at the news about Mary, but, but being somewhat older and, and wiser, he, he counseled me. He said, I should take a few more days and, and not just think about it, but that I should, I should seek the Lord's will that maybe the Lord would speak to me. I didn't know that the Lord would speak to one such as me. But the rabbi said the Lord could speak to anybody. I, who was Gideon before God spoke to her? Who, who was Samson's mother before God spoke to her? And what did I have to lose? He was right. Everything was lost already. According to the law of Moses, I could have had her stoned. Of course, we didn't really stone people much in those days. We, the, the current method was public disgrace. But I decided to not do that because in spite of Mary's obvious unfaithfulness, I loved her. The end of betrothal required a divorce, and that's what I decided to do. I, I would put her away quietly. But on the day that I made that decision, that very night, I had the most vivid dream of my life. An angel appeared to me, and he said, 
Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. For what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. When I woke up, it was as if the lights had been turned back on. The, the, the joy was back in the world. The, the love, the warmth. Oh, there were, there were still things to be concerned about. Who was not going to believe that I was not responsible for this? What would that do to my business? But, but none of that seemed to matter. I, I could breathe again. I could hardly wait to go and tell Mary the news. It had been several days since we had, since we had talked, and, and, and she, she was concerned that I was coming to tell her the worst. I could see the fear on her face. I couldn't tease her. I, 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 just, I just said, Mary, it's all right. I believe you. Most wonderful moment of my life. Now I was concerned about the rabbi. I mean, uh, how was he not going to think that we hadn't just made all this up to cover over our wrongdoing, huh? But when I went to see him, he was surprisingly sympathetic. He was among those who eagerly desired to see the coming of Messiah. And, and, he, and he had been reading the prophets, and he discovered that the prophet Isaiah had, had foretold that the Messiah would indeed be born of a virgin. This would be a sign from God. Well, it, it was overwhelming to think that, that my Mary would be the virgin that Isaiah spoke about. But then I thought, well, somebody's got to be the virgin. And Mary is certainly the one that I would pick. Well, we decided to, we decided it'd be best if she went to visit her, her cousin Elizabeth down in, down in the hill country of Judea. Elizabeth was a, a good deal older than Mary. In fact, she was well beyond the age of childbearing. And she had always been barren, but we had received the news that she was going to have a child as well. So, so Mary went to see her, and when she did, she found out that an angel had appeared and foretold the birth of this child. An angel. An angel appeared to Zachariah. An angel appeared to Mary. An angel appeared to me. Something must be in the water. There's there's angels just popping up everywhere. And, And not only that, but when she stepped into the house, Elizabeth greeted her by calling her the mother of our Lord. This was very exciting. But it only lasted a, a couple of days because the rabbi sent for me with, with some distressing news. He, you see, he had continued to, to look in the prophets and he discovered that the prophet Micah had said this, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are the least among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will rule over my people Israel. One whose going forths are from of old, of ancient times. And the rabbi said that, that this was a clear reference to Messiah, and it meant that he had to come from Bethlehem. Well, I came from Bethlehem. I said, I was born in Bethlehem. 
But the rabbi just shook his head and said, no, no. Messiah has to be born in Bethlehem. I felt sick. I, I had not felt so badly since the day Mary told me she was going to have a baby. When I went to Mary and told her the news, she just, she just shook her head and said, God will make a way. Women. Her visit to her cousin Elizabeth had greatly encouraged her. But she was right. Time was getting short as the days went on, and I was getting very concerned. I mean, Mary could dress in such a way as to cover up her condition, but very soon the baby was going to come, and he could not be concealed. And then I got um, an urgent summons from the rabbi to, to, to come to him. And it was an emergency, so I, I thought maybe he might be sick or something. So I, I went to him, and, and, and he didn't look sick. He looked perfectly healthy. In fact, he, he looked perfectly happy. And I said, well, what, what, what is it? What, what's the emergency? Joseph, he said, I have just received a decree from the Roman governor to be read to all of the people, but I wanted to tell you first. What is it? I said, what, 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 what is the decree? Caesar Augustus himself has issued a decree that there is to be a census taken of the entire Roman world. I thought, well, for most of the entire Roman world, that's not a problem. But for the people here in Israel, this is going to, be, this is going to cause great disruption and difficulty. People are going to have to go back to their ancestral homes. Some of them are going to be torn away from their jobs, from their means of making a living. Some of them are going to have to go places that they've, that they've not seen in, in years and years. And, and, and the more I complain, the, the happier this rabbi seemed to get. And I was beginning to become very aggravated with him. And he finally said, yes, Joseph, son of David. It means that you and your new wife, Mary, are going to have to leave Nazareth. Son of David, well, that was true. That's not usually what I was called. But, uh, and besides, didn't, didn't this guy understand that Mary's in no condition to be traveling, seeing that she's getting ready to have a... And then it hit me. Bethlehem. We're going to have to go to Bethlehem. And the rabbi just smiled and he laughed and laughed when, when my face began to show what my brain was starting to understand. And, and then I began to laugh and, and then I started to cry. And then he started to cry. And then we were, we were both laughing and crying and we were, we were dancing around the room together. And best of all, I was the one who got to tell the news to Mary. I think she would have been more excited about it had she not been nine months pregnant. <laughs> Being from uh, Nazareth, which is not on one of your major trade routes, you know, we were going to have to leave, and that very quickly. And so I, I packed up my tools and some, some essential things, and, and we, we sold a few things, and we, we gave the rest of the things away, and we, and we set off. 
75-mile trip from Bethlehem, from Nazareth down to Bethlehem, through, through some mountains. I won't bore you with all the details of the trip. It had its ups and downs, to be sure. I, I, I understand that, that traveling with a pregnant woman can be a challenge, even in your, your day with your automobiles and stuff. But imagine having to walk 75 miles, even if you've got a donkey to ride. But Mary was great. She never complained, not, not once. Not to me, anyway. On the evening of the fifth day, we, uh, we arrived in Bethlehem, and I had never seen so many people in one place. I, I didn't know anyone there, so we, we had no one to stay with. I had to go and try and find a, a room at, at, at an inn. Which, uh, uh, imagine going up, up to the mountains on one of the, the, the fall weekends with no reservations. And then imagine that as soon as you get there, your, your wife's getting ready to have a baby. See, I, I knew that Mary had been in labor for, for several hours. and The last few miles I had been praying with all my heart. Oh, God, please don't let the birth of this child cost me the life of my new wife. God was gracious to us. And uh, one of the innkeepers didn't have a room, but he said we could use the, the, the cave behind the end. And it was being used as a stable, but we didn't care. It, it was warm and dry. And a couple of hours after we settled in, I heard that most wonderful of sounds. The sound of a newborn baby cry. I can't tell you. You, you, you think you enjoy your, your Christmas, your, your presence. My present was that Mary was alive. And the child was a boy. Just as we have been told. I, I, I know that it, it's silly, but you, you, you think things. The innkeeper's wife was gracious to us. She brought some, some strips of cloth, and Mary wrapped the baby in, in the strips of cloth. I certainly hadn't had time to, to, to build a, a cradle or anything, and, but, but after I cleaned out the, the, the straw and, and put some fresh straw in, we, we took the, the child and we laid him in. In a, in a manger. Uh, you, I mean, you, you do what you have to do. Later that night, we, uh, we got a bit of a fright. There, there were some men outside, some strange men. And, and at first I thought, well, this, it must be bandits. I, I mean, so many people on the road, they're bound to be bandits. And at this time of night, maybe they're looking for a place to, to hold up. But it turned out it, they were shepherds. And I, I went out to them and, and they said, is he here? Is who here? I said, in my gruff voice. The one who's been born to be the king of the Jews. And then they told us about how 
angels <laughs> had appeared to them and had told them that if they would go to Bethlehem, they would find the Savior of the world wrapped in strips of cloth and laying in a manger. Mary and I just looked at each other. This confirmation of everything God had told us, we kept it in our hearts and we, we pondered it. And in the years to come, there were many times that we needed it. That's not all of the story. I, I, I could tell you about when uh, the day that we took the child to the temple for, for, for Mary's ritual purification and, and the, the glorious prophecies that were spoken over him. And I, I could tell you about Magi coming from the east and following a great star. And then about an angel appearing to me again and, and telling me that we had to escape to Egypt to, to flee the sword of Herod. And right after we left, he killed all of the, the little boys. But, but that's enough for today. Now you know my story. My story is, is connected to Mary's son. It's, it's connected to Jesus. I wonder, I wonder about you. I wonder about your story. Do you, do you know him? Do you know Mary's son? Do you know Jesus? When the angel told me that he would, that he would save his people from their sins, I, I immediately thought, oh, the Jews, yeah. But no, no, his people. His people. For the Jew first, yes, but also for the Gentile. For anyone who calls on his name is his people. Think about that. Ponder that in your heart. Act on that. And then maybe someday in eternity, we'll, we'll run into each other. And, and if we do, uh, we'll sit down and I, I'll tell you the rest of my story. And, and you, you can tell me yours. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd like that very much. Pastor Ronnie has uh, shared the story of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's shared the story of the gospel. Uh, just filled with scriptures, those stories were. It's the truth from our Lord. Joseph had to have an angel come to him to share. And Joseph then believed. Uh, the book of Hebrews tells us that today the Lord is speaking through the Lord Jesus Christ himself and the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today about the story, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's up to you whether you believe as the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart right now. You see, the nature of sin is to reject the story and to say, no, I don't want it your way. I want to lead it my way, my life. 
And so the Holy Spirit draws you to say, believe, this is true. It's really true. And it changes us. We have the opportunity to be born again. And boy, I want to tell you, the story changes, doesn't it, in our lives? It really does. So this morning, you just have this opportunity to believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. To say yes and, and to have him forgive you and to have him fill you with his spirit and to guide you and to truly have hope. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand and those who are going to pray for the folks to come on down. So this is your opportunity to respond to the Holy Spirit. You've heard the story. And the Lord wants to give you his story that he's got planned for your life now. And for those of you who've known the Lord, maybe been away from him for a while, he says, come on back. You know the story. And for those of you who believe or anyone who needs prayer for anything, um, these wonderful people up here would like to pray with you because they believe the story of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And even though Christ went to the cross, he rose again, and he's still with us. He's still alive to minister to you. So we're going to take a moment to worship, and I ask you again this morning to respond and to believe the story of Christ.
like to invite everybody to the Christmas Day service, 11 o'clock till 12 o'clock. It's a great time to worship and have joy in the Lord, and we'll worship and have joy like they do in heaven. Um, in our mind's eye, we can picture Joseph and Mary up there. And so uh, 11 to 12 o'clock, let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ and the precious Holy Spirit, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you would work in every person's life. We ask that you make your face shine upon them, Lord. We ask that you would bless them exceedingly abundantly above anything they could ask or think, according to the power that's within them, and that power is you. Watch over your people. Watch over this flock, Father. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.